You're listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast, where you'll learn step-by-step how to meet and seduce beautiful women, whether you're looking for one night of fun, a week-long fling, or a long-term relationship. I'm your host, Trip, and the episode starts now. Hello and welcome to the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Another interview ahead of you right now with Mr. Adam Lyons. Adam Lyons, well, you're going to hear about his history and who he is. Maybe you've heard about him before. He's a big dating coach and he's been on the scene for a very long time, longer than me, well over a decade. And this guy, I mean... You can't give him a question that he can't answer, meaning he can answer every single question. And so I thought of a topic to talk to him about today, which was flirting. And I really, I wanted to give him this opportunity to teach us some really good ideas and techniques behind flirting. And he's going to be sharing them with you today. I find that when I get on the phone with a lot of my coaching clients, they have the most trouble with flirting. They are really just lost when it comes to what it means to flirt, how to flirt, which really helps you get women attracted. So that's why I wanted to bring it up with someone who really knows what they're talking about. So this is an interview that I'm doing here with Adam Lyons. And you can check out his stuff at askthedatingcoach.com. That's his website where you can get all kinds of free, good information in terms of dating and seduction. Now, of course, if you need more help and you actually need some coaching, then I can help you with that as well. I am taking clients right now, so applications are available to you. All you need to do is go to coachedbytrip.com where you can apply today to get coaching from me where you and I can either meet in person or get one-on-one. There is many options available to you where we will go over your dating life step by step. So whether it is you are in the beginning stages where you're not sure how to approach or talk to a woman, or maybe you're in the later stages where you are dating multiple women, but you're not sure how to find the right one. Well, I'm here to help you with that. And we do that with my trip advice system. So go ahead and apply today, coachedbytrip.com, where I can help you. And in the meantime, check out my interview here with Adam Lyons, where we're talking about flirting. Check it out. What's up, Adam? How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Is it, I think this is the first time I've had you on the podcast. It, yeah, it really is. Actually, um, I've not done many dating podcasts. Back when I was sort of like really active, podcasts weren't as much of a thing. And so I think I missed the entire podcast wave. Really? It's so funny mm-hmm. because now podcasts, like now people know what podcasts are. For so many years when people were like, oh, like, what do you do? And I explain to them, I'm a dating coach and I have a podcast. But like, what's a podcast? And now I can finally say a podcast and people aren't like, oh, okay, like, I don't know what that means. And they totally get it. So <laughs> like 10 years ago, it was unheard of. People just weren't listening to podcasts. Yes, but it's like completely replaced radio now. This is like the thing. I know, because it's so much better. And there's, there's no like stupid advertisements that people don't care about, right? So <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's great to have you on here. Maybe you can give the guys a background. You have a very extensive background of where you come from and who you are. And I think it'd be interesting for the guys to know all about that. So why don't you give your little your spiel of, of who you are and why you know what you know? 
Yeah, quick quick summary. Um, I was voted least likely to ever get a girlfriend in school by uh, some some my classmates. I decided I wasn't going to let that hold me back. And so between then and the age of 26, it completely held me back. And then at 26, I discovered the game by Neil Strauss and I took to it like a duck to water. Actually, a friend of mine gave me the book and he said, dude, you were meant for this. And uh, sure enough, uh, within a year, I was voted the third best seduction expert in the world, I suppose. Ended up becoming friends with Neil Strauss and a lot of sort of like those old OG dating guys. And then in 2009, and 10 and 11, I was voted number one in the world as a dating and seduction expert. Back then, peers, we'd all vote for each other and you know, see who got the most votes. Um, so it was voted by a, by a group of my peers. Since then, I went on, uh, became famous for being known as the guy with two girlfriends. If you type into this day, Adam Lyons Thrupple, see me and my two girlfriends, we've been together for eight years now. And uh, we ended up being in Steve Harvey show and on Megyn Kelly and everyone would be like, how did you do that? How did you get two girlfriends that lived with each other? And and I was like, that's because I'm really good at dating. And uh, now I uh, spend my time split between two companies. I still do my dating stuff. I travel over the world, a lot of high-end clients and help them you know, get their dating lives in order. Actually do a lot of uh, prenuptial help nowadays. I help people get their prenups signed and help with uh, mitigating divorce and stuff like that. So some, some pretty high-end, high-leverage problems that people are willing to pay a, a lot of money to get help with. And of course, we save them a lot more. And I do a lot of business consulting as well. But isn't a lawyer supposed to be taking care of that? So you know what's funny? The lawyer will absolutely handle how to protect you legally, but is really bad at getting your partner to agree it. And this is something that you know we've seen countless times. The lawyer gets involved and now they have a marital problem where they didn't have one before. You know, you'll often find their partner will be like, oh yeah, of course I'll sign a prenup. And then the lawyer you know, doesn't help them phrase it correctly. And the next thing you know, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. Whereas like, I'll, I'll help them with phrasing. I'll be like, okay, this is the correct way to bring this up. This is how to, how to do it in a way that, you know, she's not only okay with, but, you know, minimal conflict. You know, I'm curious about something here. You said you got good within a year. Mm-hmm. You got good within a year. It's like you, just, you read the game and you wanted to, you got fascinated by it. You wanted to take this to the next level. What did you do in one year that got you so good at dating and seduction? So I think, to be real with you, man, I got good in three months. It was recognized within a year. But I did something very different in that first three months from everybody else. Within my first weekend of of reading the book, I signed up for a live event. I did a two-day live event. And on the live event, I realized that the people doing it, teaching, were obviously capable of doing something that I couldn't do. But they also weren't good at explaining what they were doing. And uh, I, I've got a background as a, as a gamer. I'm kind of a nerd. Um, I like board games, strategy, war games. And it's always a warning sign to me when somebody can do something but can't explain what they're doing. That's usually a sign that they don't actually know. And that means they're not teaching it most effectively. So I went on a mission in my first three months not to be able to meet and attract women, but to understand what they didn't know and why they were so good. And what that meant was I was testing. So someone would say, hey, you should do this thing. So I would test it. And if it didn't work, I would ask myself, I wouldn't be like, oh, I suck. I'd be like, okay, why didn't that work? Why could they do it and I couldn't? And this constant questioning in my mind, trying to find what was the thing that was making the difference, led me to creating some pretty big breakthroughs. Like to this day in dating, my original breakthroughs are like still taught as the standard in a lot of dating companies. And, you know, not everyone knows that I was one of the people that 
isolated these points and said that this is the correct thing. So a, a good example would be back in 2006, most people believed that you started all interactions with attraction. They would be like, you know, you generate attraction, then you, then you can continue from there. And I identified that actually rapport was the first step. And that if you try and generate attraction without a foundation of rapport, your success rate is significantly diminished. And so while that, it, real quick, what's the difference? So guys know, what's the difference between attraction and rapport? So attraction is getting you to stand out from the crowd so you look different to everybody else, right? So there's something about you that seems unique and different. Rapport is that somebody trusts you and maybe has some common ground. And I found that attraction without rapport can actually be repelling. So somebody that stands out, if you could think of it this way, stands out for the wrong reasons, wouldn't be attractive. And what happened was people back, back then, they were like peacocking, which is like wearing weird clothing to stand out. But people were having hit and miss results. They were always generating attention, but it wasn't always leading to attraction. And they, there were people that couldn't work out why. They're like, I'm wearing a funny hat and you know, I've got eye makeup on. Why does no one like me? And it's because they didn't have the initial rapport. Whereas, you know, uh, Mystery was the guy back in the day that was prevalent with this. Mystery was using magic tricks to generate rapport. And so what happened is, although he didn't necessarily generate it with the people he was talking to, because they had seen him generate rapport with somebody else in the venue, it made it significantly easier for him to talk to them because that rapport translates through social proof. And these, these basic concepts that, that I was teaching back at the time were revolutionary. No one was thinking like that. And now I believe they're, they're pretty standard. A lot of people understand. Yeah, of course, you know, someone's got to be willing to talk to you before you can wow them with how amazing you are. But back then it was pretty standard to go and do weird, crazy things to generate attention. You know, and you, you can even see it on that VH1 show, The Pickup Artist, because they were talking about the importance of starting with attraction. But it, it really isn't, you know, the success rate of that's a lot lower. And actually... There was a psychological study done in like the 80s by a psychologist by the name of Moore that identified that if a woman doesn't give approval for a, a male to approach, or as I would word it, comfort, the success rate is almost zero. So how would, what, was, what does approval look like? So it'd be give you like a, a sign that it's okay to go and talk to somebody. So there was another study that identified over 50 different signs that it's okay for a guy to approach a woman, like varying from verbal and nonverbal. And they can be anything from a smile, a, a hand gesture, welcoming somebody in, requesting aid, touching somebody. You know, th there's a number of different IQs that you can read. And so learning all of these, I mean, this was a, a big part of like stuff that I still teach to this day is teaching somebody how to read them and how to, you know, not fall for things that almost look like it might be an invitation to approach because a lot of people will get it wrong and then they'll approach somebody that didn't really want to be approached. But if you can spot the approach invitation, then that's a sign that you already have comfort and or rapport. And if you don't have an approach invitation, then it's much more important to build that comfort first before approaching. I'll give you an example of like, I had a, a friend of mine back in the day, he was a dating coach. And he was like, yeah, you can approach anybody anytime. And I remember we were in a, a parking lot at like three in the morning. And there was a woman walking back to her car, obviously nervous. And he went up to her and started approaching her. And I was like, dude, you cannot do this right now. And he's like, of course I can. I can approach anyone whenever I want. It's my prerogative. And I was like, dude, you, you legitimately cannot approach somebody right now. Like, you're going to freak her out. And of course, sure enough, she got freaked out. And I apologized and drug my friend away. And he's like, I don't get it. He's like, this works all the time. Like, I, don't, I shouldn't have to worry about where I approach someone or when. I was like, no, you, you got to take into consideration her comfort level. 
she's uncomfortable with this. It'd be very different if she already knew you. It'd be very different if, you know, you guys were at the same party. There are a lot of reasons why this would have been okay if you'd had that initial rapport, but you had none. This was not the right time to approach and do something. And he's like, well, I had to try. I was like, why try if you know the success level at this point is almost zero? There is right. much better ways to go about doing this. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I want to go back just a little bit. Yeah. So now you're in these three months. You're going out. You're testing, testing everything. I mean, how often are you going out? Did you have a fear of talking to women? You know, a lot of guys have a fear of talking to women. It takes them three to six months alone to get over that in order to even have a full conversation with the girl. So what was it like for you? So I had no fear because I wasn't trying to achieve an outcome. And I think that was a, a, a big secret weapon I had. A lot of people, when they do this, they're trying to meet somebody or they're trying to get a date. And I didn't care. I just wanted to test. So I was like, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? I remember I bought Dating for Dummies and decided that was like one of the books I was going to read and see if there was anything in that. And I made it work, but it took like a week of testing the book. And I found that not many techniques in the book were any good. Not much was actually relevant. But I found I got a lot of success by running up to people, opening the book, and then looking at it and being like, no, that's not going to work. Flicking some pages and being like, no, that's not going to work. Flicking some pages. <laughs> and then eventually I'd be like, you know what? This book sucks. Hi, I just wanted to meet you. And I found that worked really well because they'd be laughing so hard because it's like dating for dummies. It's almost like you know, you're in a sketch show or a prank show or something. Right. Using it as a prop. That's funny. Yeah. And it worked so well. But the fact that I knew that shows like how much I tested. Like I was testing everything all the time. I was practicing about eight hours a day, seven days a week. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you, you, I'd hope you'd get good <laughs> yeah. after doing that much for that long. I mean, that's wow. That's yeah. amazing. Actually, it got to a point where I was out in central London and I was hanging out at Leicester Square, which is where all the promoters were hanging out, like all the the nightclub promoters, and they hated me because I was beating them to the beautiful women and getting their phone numbers first. And these guys thought I was a competitor. They thought I was trying to take them to a nightclub. And uh, so I had a lot of aggression. And then when they realized I was just trying to date these women, the guys like thought it was kind of funny, you know, and then they tried to get friendly with me and they'd be like, dude, bring her to my club. You know, like they were like, come yeah. to my club because that was their money. And, uh, and that's when I got really good. I realized that I should be bringing these women to my nightclub. And so I negotiated my own deal with one of the hottest clubs in, night, in London at the time. And then I started making money. Like, and actually, before I was teaching dating, I got recognized as being good simply because I was getting paid to take people to the nightclub. And it was more than many dating coaches were making. Amazing. So you were doing promoting then at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it was more like uh, hosting versus promoting, which is very different. It's a lot harder to get into. As a host, you're paid like a celebrity for the night. So, you know, you'll, there'll be like, P. Diddy's coming to this club tonight and we paid him 25 grand to be here. I was getting paid a chunk of cash to be there. Like my name would be on the flyer sometimes. And I was known as the guy that brings women to the club. So basically the club would be like, hey, this guy that brings lots of women is going to be here tonight. And that was, wow. the, that was the ad. Wow. Amazing. Look, yeah. You're a celebrity in London at that point. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. Okay. So first of all, I want to just say that one of the most important things that I took away from that, something that I teach guys too, is that mindset you had. The outcome independent mindset of you were just going out experimenting and not looking for any sort of result. You were just seeing what would happen. 
And I just think that is so, so important. And I think besides obviously all the legwork and hours you put in, that piece right there is just huge because it allowed you to do more approaches, to talk to more women and to experiment more. And then also, so not just experiment more, but do more types of experiments, which then it sounds like that's what got you better. Yeah, exactly that. It's, it's funny. I, I often explain to people, it's like climbing up a set of stairs. A lot of people will go up one stair and then be very upset that they're not at the top of the stairs yet. And then they'll yeah. go up another stair and <laughs> they're still good. mad they're not at the top, right? And I'm like, dude, like the, the top of the stairs is there. You're getting there. You're moving towards it. But like, at least have appreciation. Like you just went up another step and there are other people that can't even climb three steps, you know, like, and, and that was the attitude I had. The attitude was, I was going to test this. And yeah. that was a big key to it. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Okay, so, well, we're talking about flirting today. So you've done so much experimenting and beyond those three months, you've done years and years of dating, approaching, and teaching. So maybe you can share with us some flirting techniques that you like to use when you're talking to a girl. And maybe before even we go into what that looks like, but maybe even define like what is flirting? Because guys, they hear it. They read things. They listen to things. They watch things. They hear about flirting. They know they should do it, but they're not really sure what it is, why it's important. So maybe you can give a little breakdown of that even before we go into the, the how. Yeah, sure. So flirting is really about the back and forth between human interactions, between people that are potentially interested in each other. It's like if you were flirting around the edge of a swimming pool, right? You'd be, I'm not getting in the water, but I might get in the water. That, if you can think of it like that, I, I like that analogy quite a lot, where it's like my toe might go in, I might jump in, I might not. That's what flirting is. But instead of, instead of flirting around the edge of a swimming pool, we're flirting with getting into a relationship. So we may, we may be intimate, we may not. And for women, that is actually arousing, the idea that they don't know if something's going to happen or not. And to guys, it isn't arousing because it's frustrating because the guy wants to know what's going to happen. They want the certainty. And, you know, when you get intimate with a woman, there's a key part to this. Like women love the suspense, right? Like being blindfolded and having somebody gently kiss her skin, but not touch her in the areas that she wants to get touched. That's really arousing. With a guy, it's like, no, just, just give me what I want, right? So to be good at flirting really is understanding that feminine mindset and being able to play that game. And so that's like the essence. But then like, how do you do it? Uh, there's uh, many different ways. There's in-person flirting and then you've got texting, you've got online dating and all these other techniques. But it's really about understanding where you are in the interaction. When you first meet somebody, like I said, I, I almost always start with comfort building and rapport and flirting will come later. And then usually the first time that I'll test out flirting with somebody will often be a compliment with permission. And um, so, especially nowadays, you know, we live in a, a post-Me Too world where consent is so important. So I'll often say to somebody, hey, do you mind if I give you a compliment that could be taken the wrong way? And that permission-based flirting is so powerful because it really does open up someone's mind. It's like, on one hand, there's a compliment, but on the other hand, it could upset them. And that's like the definition of getting in the pool and not getting in the pool, right? It's like, on one hand, I really do want to get this compliment. But on the other hand, I don't know if I'm going to be upset by it. Mm. And that, like, that's one of my favorite phrases to use nowadays. And so you'll often have a woman will, will give you permission. They'll be like, well, yeah, I'm a bit nervous, but I do want to hear. And then I know that it's okay to do it. 
And then I'd say, well, you know, I've noticed something about you that I think you might be self-conscious about, but I actually think it's really endearing. And then they'll say, what? And then I'll give a compliment on something that I'm pretty sure they would be self-conscious about, but I actually like. So for example, it might be the fact that they snort when they laugh, right? And again, I'm not doing it to put them down. I'm, I'm not doing it to make them feel bad. I'm just like, yeah, like sometimes when you laugh, you snort and I actually think it's really adorable. And that will let them know that I'm interested in them while at the same time, I'm not really crossing any lines. And I am bringing up something that might make them feel self-conscious. Would this be kind of like a neg? So I, I like the differentiation between a neg and this. In a neg, you're kind of giving a backhanded compliment, right? So like a, a, a traditional neg back in the day would be something like, oh, I like your nails. Are they fake? The goal of the neg is to lower the person's self-confidence. In what I'm doing, I'm getting permission to give them a compliment about something I truly like that I think they might be self-conscious about. Mm, okay. and, it, and what I'm doing is I'm trying to raise their self-confidence. I want them to feel better being around me. Got it. And okay. that's, it, is, it functions and technically does the same kind of thing, which is really flirtation. All we're doing with flirtation is we're going forwards and backwards at the same time. We're going in the pool and not going in the pool. That's the whole point. The idea is so someone doesn't know where they stand. With a neg, they're doing it from a negative point of view. Hence neg. I want to make them feel bad, but also give them a compliment. In my version, I want to make them feel good about something that they may naturally feel bad about. Why do you like that better? Because it moves things in a much healthier place. If you look at a lot of the old school dating coaches, pickup artists, they're single and still and can't maintain a relationship. And a lot of the women that have been with them have negative experiences. Whereas I've been in my, my current relationship with two women for eight years. We're open. I'm allowed to enjoy other women as well, often with them. And all the women that I enjoy, it's from a very positive space where they're very happy with the encounter. And that's the goal. The goal is to make them feel great. And I think a lot of people lost that back in the day. Yeah, and I think that also something happened along the lines where I think we, we learned that, I feel like we, we didn't even realize that that was possible. Meaning yes. it, 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 we didn't think it was possible to have a healthy interaction while still being able to attract a woman without, you know, putting her down or, or you know, messing with her self-confidence or something like that. So I like that you gave an example of how it can work in a healthier way because why not use that route versus the other, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, and this, like I said, this is early stage flying, this, this early stuff. And then I'll rapidly shift into a much more sexual tone if the person's okay with it. So if, if I'm giving them compliments, and again, I'm looking for a reciprocating compliment. I want to I hear it back. I want them to tell me things they like about me. And if I'm still in this interaction and we're complimenting each other, then it's absolutely okay for me to, you know, to go a, another level and maybe get a little bit more suggestive. So then I'll be like, hey, are you comfortable with uncomfortable conversations? And again, this is now built off the back of the, the rapport and the flirting Freddie Gardens. She's typically going to be like, yeah. And I'm like, why do people put up with bad sex? And then that's going to make her laugh. Because I'm not talking about her or me. I'm just talking in general. And then we'll have a conversation about sex and why people have bad sex. Now, what's great about this is there's a lot of subliminal things going on here. First of all, the assumption is I not only am not bad at sex, but also I don't have bad sex, which means I have sex. So all of that makes me seem very attractive. Then there's the fact that I'm comfortable talking about sex, which many guys aren't. That means I'm confident in bed. 
I've never had a woman go to bed with me who felt I was nervous or worried about it, or at least not since getting good at this stuff. In fact, uh, you know, I remember one of the last dates I went on, the woman, you know, we, we were hanging out and we start making out and touching each other. And I'm like, oh, hey, I need to make sure we grab some condoms before we go back to your place. And that was just said in the middle of making out because it was obvious that sex was going to happen. How and, did you react to that? Oh, she was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. She was actually thankful because I was, you know, being mature. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. So much better than going back to her place and be like, oh, I don't have condoms. You know, like, I'm not a five-year-old that forget to bring my water bottle with me. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a teenager. Like, oh, no, I'm, I'm new to this. I'm an experienced, grown, mature man. I know that when we're making out and touching each other, sex is going to happen. And I know the importance of making sure I get condoms. It also shows that I didn't bring them with me because I didn't assume that sex was on the cards. So there's a lot, a lot of very powerful things there that show how confident I am and how knowledgeable I am about this interaction. And again, even more flirting. How often are you doing this kind of forward, backward, flirty dance throughout an interaction where you're meeting a woman in person, uh, let's say? Yeah, I mean, nonstop. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't end. Actually, I was going to say, there's uh, one of my favorite things to do right now is, you know when you're texting somebody, I don't know if you're using this yet, but you know how many people use GIFs to communicate now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do the same thing, but I... I don't use the GIF keyboard. I use a porn GIF keyboard, which you have to like, you can't install it in your Apple phone. You have to like open up a browser and search for porn GIFs. So I'll communicate with them with X-rated GIFs, but I only use classy black and white ones. So I don't use like vulgar, grotesque, you know, extreme porn. I'm using like the sensual lingerie, but it's still X-rated. And is so- there, Is there nudity in those? Absolutely, there is. But it's okay. like, you know, but it's, it's like burlesque nudity or it's in lingerie, right? It's not, and you can, you can definitely, like, and I'm specifically picking the ones that aren't too vulgar, right? Like I'm trying to be classy about it. But it's funny because they can't find the GIFs because they, they're looking in their GIF keyboard and they're like, oh my God, that's such a good one. Why can't I find it? And I don't tell them that I'm using a porn site. So in what context might you send something like that? So somebody will send like a, you know, oh my God, I'm so happy. And they'll send like a smiley face. And then I'll look for a face of a woman having an orgasm. And I'll be like, me too. <laughs> right? So it's head and shoulders, but she's naked from the top up. There's a thing they call it uh, Le Petit Mort, The Little Death. And you can find like, if you search for like The Little Death GIF, you can find a picture of a woman having an orgasm. It's, it's shoulders up, but it's still X-rated. Right. But, right. right. But, and then she'll be like, oh my God, that's so good. And it's a gift she's never seen because everyone else is using the same freaking keyboard. But I'm that's not. That's hilarious. Right? That's hilarious. Thanks. And it's stuff like this. Like, and you know, like I'm, I'm saying that, you know, I've, I've joined your podcast. I know obviously you're, you're, you're very knowledgeable about this subject. And I know you have, you know, a lot of followers, but I almost guarantee you, you've never heard of that before. That and is true. That is the first time I've heard that. Thanks. And that's, that's what I do. We, like, I'm still innovating. I've still got things that other people aren't using or don't know how to do. And it's so powerful because she's, you know, my, my assumption is always that the women I'm talking to have dated other men and those other men are competent. Like I, I know the league that I play in. I play in a league where every, every woman is beautiful and every woman is successful and accomplished. So I'm dealing with high quality women. So I have to assume that they're very experienced when it comes to men. That means I have to separate myself. And so having a keyboard that other people don't have of gifts that other people don't have means I'm better at her game than her. She's probably used to having better gifts than the guys because she's 
spent the time to look for the correct, most appropriate ones. But again, mine are all sexually suggestive as well. And you can find non, like you can use sexually suggestive ones for non-sexual conversations, like I was saying, like, oh my God, that's so great, orgasm face, right? It's, or like, oh, you've been bad and it's someone getting spanked, but it's an X-rated version. But again, the key is you've got to find that balance where it's not vulgar, so you're not freaking them out. That's that flirtation. I haven't crossed the line yet. But what's cool is once you do get into it with somebody, you can absolutely cross the line. And so then you're like sharing, you know, X-rated images. But that also keeps things fresh in the relationship now. I was going to say, so, you know, I think this is more of an advanced move because I'm sure there's some, I mean, I, I know I can tell there's some context that's missing. Meaning you're probably just not sending this without knowing yourself that the woman is going to be able to handle this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well... Like, so, there must be some sort of rapport and connection and correct. flirtation that's going on where you're knowing that it's not... Good. You know, it's always a risk, but so, it's, it's a very low risk to send something like that. The, the good sign is they're sending you gifts. Women tend to only send gifts with someone they're somewhat interested in, even if it's just as a friend. And the sexual flirtatious version just shifts it so it's less likely to end up with you being stuck as just a friend. You're crossing the line. But again, like I said, Le Petit Moore is a good example, right? The little death. It's definitely a woman having an orgasm, but we're seeing her from the shoulders up. So there is nothing nude about it, except the nudity is implied. And that's like my, oh my God, I'm so excited, right? So I might be like, I'm so excited today. I'm going to be interviewed on the trip podcast. Send picture of an orgasm face. <laughs> You know, it's funny is, is that whole concept in itself is flirting because exactly. it's not showing everything. It's just a little bit. So it's almost kind of confusing and it's going into that idea of having that dance. Bingo. Yeah, exactly that. And that's why I love it because they don't have access to those gifts. They can't work out where I got them from. And that's why it's so important that you don't cross the line into the overly sexual ones because then they'll work out you're just downloading it from porn sites. And then it's like, oh, you know, it's, right. not, it's, not, it's not flirtatious anymore. So by keeping it flirtatious, but it's cool because it's a really nice lead-in that once you are intimate with somebody, then you can cross that line and then send full-on sexual imagery. But it's cool because now you've been intimate with the person. But it's great because it keeps them, you know, keeps them keen. So what are some other flirting techniques that you like to use? I think one of my favorites, probably my absolute favorite is social proof, which is the one that I became most known for pre-selection. This is the idea where I will flirt with everybody and not publicly acknowledge who I'm dating. And this was back before I was in the relationship I'm in now. Although even now, because obviously we are open, we'll use it. We'll go to a bar and I'll hang out with the two women I'm with and I'll be flirting with them, but I won't necessarily be making out with them or you know, being coupley, but we'll be flirting. And then we'll get talking to some other women and they'll be like, I'm trying to work out which of the two women you're dating and I can't work it out. And then I'm like, ah, that's interesting. I'm dating both of them. And, and she then would never guess that in a million years. Exactly. And then they're like, wait, what? And then the girls will jump in and be like, yeah, he's dating both of us. You know? He, and you know, the women are like, honestly, when somebody's that good in bed, you know, you don't mind sharing. And instantly when that's said, the the new woman's like, wait, what? And that so, technique is the best. I mean, nothing so, beats that. <laughs> well, that's great for you who has two girlfriends. <laughs> most of the guys, including myself, who don't have two girlfriends. <laughs> How could you use that concept 
and make it work without actually having two girlfriends. Yes, I, I teach people this all the time. That, that's my personal favorite. But, um, but with my... Your advanced <laughs> techniques, we really appreciate it. Yeah, but with, with my students, I'll actually get them to develop some, some friends and they'll like some women that are friends that they're quote unquote in the friend zone with. But what's cool about the friend zone is once a woman has acknowledged she won't date you, she's usually very happy to help you date other people. And so then you can go to a bar with these women knowing that they're going to help you meet someone else. And they're very okay to do that. And now you can pull off something similar where they'll flirt with you and talk to women on your behalf and bring them to you. And I think guys have forgotten the power of having a woman be their wing versus like a bunch of guys. Yeah, it's not really talked about a lot anymore. I mean, I don't hear about it that much. Yeah, I used to teach it all the time. And I suppose like I've become less public with my teachings. It's like I said, it's a lot more of the high-end clients that, that pay big bucks. But, you know, it is a really powerful technique. It's something that everyone should honestly be doing. Just having a group of women friends who hang out with you, who you're not dating, and who are very willing to bring other women to you. Yeah. It's like one thing I have to say to guys too is a lot of guys who are new to this, they get really excited about this idea that they maybe could possibly hook up with that girl that is willing to go out with them to the bars. And I just say, listen, this is just, you got to sacrifice. Like, it's okay. You just got to sacrifice some of these friends and just, you know, be able to have them to be there to help you with the social proof and not get excited over the attention from that girl. I feel like a lot of guys get so excited about that girl and they don't, they're not used to putting women in the friend zone, you know? So I say, I think it's great to go out and do approaches and meet women in person friend zone them. And then once you've made friends with them, have them come out with you and do this kind of social proof technique. Yeah, absolutely. hard for guys. Absolutely. I remember there was going back, back when I was like actively dating um, and I was single, um, I was hanging out at this uh, show, show my age. Now it was a computer cafe, like an internet cafe. And I was hanging out there all the time. And uh, there was a woman there. I was flirting with her every day. We'd laugh and joke. And at the end of every day, I would say to her, hey, do you want to go get a meal? And she's like, no. And I didn't understand it. I saw all the signs of attraction. She was flirting and giggling and laughing. We'd talk about sex. And then I'm like, can I take you for dinner? And she's like, no. And I'm like, this girl has to have a boyfriend. It's the only explanation. So I'm like, do you have a boyfriend? And she went, no. And I'm like, this is insane. Like it, nothing made sense. You know what I mean, Trip? And so I kept going and kept going. And at the end of the week, I was like, please, I just want to feed you. I don't even want to date you. I just want to give you food. And she said, my girlfriend will get jealous. And suddenly I was like, it didn't even occur to me that she might be a lesbian that's flirting with me, right? Because she was just enjoying flirting. And uh, I was like, bring your girlfriend. And so she went, okay. And so I take these two women to dinner. And it was one of the best meals I've ever had. I'm hanging out with these two lesbian women who are not interested in me in any way. And it was so fun. And at the end of the dinner, they said to me, do you want to go to a lesbian nightclub? And I was like, uh, yeah, that is exactly what I want to do in my 20s is go to a lesbian nightclub. <laughs> two very hot lesbians. And so like, the problem is you need to look like a woman because it's lesbians only. So they dressed me like a butch woman, right? So I was like baggy clothing, the works. And uh, they go, your name's no longer Adam. It's now Adelaine. And so we go to this nightclub and I'm getting wasted with like 20 lesbians. It's the best night trip. Like this was to this day, one of the best nights. And they introduced me. There was a band playing live and the drummer of the band was this like really beautiful, long hair, sexy woman. Oh my gosh, she's so gorgeous. And I ended up flirting with her the whole night. And we made out in the club. Bear in mind, she thinks she's making out with a lesbian woman. And I'm obviously not a lesbian woman. So we get in the car 
And we're sitting in the back of the car. And now like, I'm like, this girl's going to know that I'm, a, I'm not a woman. She's going to know I'm a man. This is going to be really awkward. You know, she's going to like pull my pants down and be like, where's your vagina? You've got a penis. This is so awkward. And so meanwhile, my two lesbian friends are in the front of the car driving. And so suddenly this woman says to me, hey, listen, I know you're a guy. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank God. Like, I'm so glad we got that out of the way. And she goes, but I find you really attractive anyway. I'm bi, like, you know, let's go back to your place. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we start making out and things are getting hot and heavy trip in the backseat of this car. And these two lesbian women are driving me. And after about an hour of us like, you know, heavy petting and, you know, mild oral sex, hoping no one's watching, I say to the, my two friends, hey, our place is only 10 minutes away from the club. Why are we still driving? And my two friends are like, We've never seen heterosexual sex except on porn. We want to watch you guys. Oh my God. And that story to me, yeah, it taught me so much about women, right? It showed me that even people that aren't interested in you sexually might still be interested in knowing about your sex life. That people that don't want you are still happy to help you get something else. That people that might think of you as unattractive might actually be attracted to you. There was so much that was going on and it really did cement in my head that there is so much more to get out of an interaction than just a date or just sex or just a girlfriend. And All coming from the guy who was least voted to have a girlfriend in high school. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that was the inspiration, right? Like you get voted like that and you, you want to rebel. And it took me years. It took me 10 years. I was 15 when I got voted and then it was 25 to 26 when I first started like learning dating. So I really, for 10 years, I just accepted it. I was like, oh, well, I'm just not going to get a girlfriend. That's just life. But yeah. It's just motivating though. It's motivating to hear that because, you know, some guys, they weren't even voted that, which to me, that's the bottom of the barrel. And look where you've come now. So that should be motivating to other guys who can do the same if they put the right foot forward and use information or as you did, just go out there and experiment. I'm always telling guys, you know, I have all these podcasts and YouTube videos. It just use this stuff and just see how it works for you. Just see yeah. how it works. Don't say, oh, Trip said it's going to work. It's going to work. Just use it as an experiment. Yeah, that's the absolute key. Like anyone who's like, oh, I tried this one thing and it didn't work that one time. I'm like, you don't get it. I remember this one time I invented a technique and I tried it 200 times. It worked 199 times. I, I remember this so clearly because the number was so defined. And I was so sure that this would never fail. I used it on the 200th time trip. The woman I used it on burst into tears. I'd, I ruined her night. It was like the worst thing I could ever have done. And her friends were like, you're an asshole. And I was like, wow, I can't take this stuff for granted. Like, I just have to assume that even things that are likely to work might fail terribly. And that's part of the equation. You just have to factor it in. And in case you're wondering what the technique is, I used to randomly pretend to marry people. I'd run up to people and like drop on one knee and, and say, I want to marry you. And then uh, this is a, a technique that's known as the door in the face technique. It's a Cialdini persuasion technique where the idea is you ask for something really big and they say no, and then you go for something smaller. Because after someone's rejected you from marriage, they're much more likely to at least agree to a coffee. Is that commitment and consistency? Yeah, that's, that's, it's kind of, commitment consistency is almost like, they call it foot in the door where you start small, get them to confirm and then build up. This, oh, this is, is the opposite. Yeah, this <laughs> is once someone said no to you, they're much more likely to say yes to a smaller request. Oh. So they would, yeah, they would say to people like, would you sponsor an ex-con for two years? And people are like, no. And they go, okay, would you take them out for a day to a day trip to a park? And they'd be like, okay, sure, I'll do that. Ah, interesting. Oh, that's good. 
Yeah, so, I, so I'd be like, will you marry me? And they're like, oh my God, I don't know what to think about this. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I'm like, fuck it, how about we just go for coffee and see if we like each other first? <laughs> there you go, yeah. Right? And it. that, except the one woman I asked got divorced that morning. Ooh. Yeah, like this, yeah. you just couldn't guarantee it. Like you couldn't predict that, you know, it's just... I mean, that just goes with that. This is, this is why what we're dealing with here is, is human beings and socializing and human interaction, which means that nothing is ever going to work 100% of the time because you never know who you're dealing with. It's always going to be somewhat of a gamble because everyone is coming from different places, have different backgrounds. This woman just happened to have gotten divorced, right? Like that, mm-hmm. what was it, that morning or the, the day before? So so yeah, so that's I, I love that you proved that. Is, is imagine if a guy goes out and uses a technique and the first time he tries is it totally bombs. But he doesn't try it again only to not see that it worked 199 more times after that first try, right? Exactly that. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Dude, this has been great learning so much cool stuff from you. Is there any other things you want to share with us before we wrap it up? Any other good flirting techniques or just mindsets or overall ideas here? Yeah, I, I think honestly so, so much. I mean, I could go on for ages. Like the biggest thing that I could, uh, that I could leave you, I think is and this is really big, especially right now, is be the early adopter on dating sites. Facebook dating launched uh, four weeks ago now, I think at the time of recording. And I don't know if you've examined it yet, Trip, but like I was on it instantly. And for the first couple of weeks, it was just match, 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 match. And every woman I communicated with hadn't met any guy they liked yet because the guys joined the platform last. There you go. I love that. Yeah, because then the ones like Bumble and Tinder, it's all, it's oversaturated. Yep. So what I would say is look for the new dating app. Remember that women tend to be early adopters of social things. Jump on first. So right now, Facebook dating is a minefield of awesome opportunity. And that's only going to last for maybe a couple more weeks at the time of this recording. So, you, oh. you, but, but look for the next one. You know, there'll be a new one and just get right. on first. And that's such an easy win. And yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got them coming out my ears. I've got so many of this stuff. The, the best thing, honestly, for anyone listening, if, if you like the things I'm saying, you want to learn more about it, you know, just go across to my website and there's a ton of free material on there. There's free downloads, everything. And it's just like, you know, I'm trying to make it a, a resource. I'm getting to a point like my kids are, are going to start their teenage years in, you know, not too many more years now. And I wanted a resource for them. You know, I wanted them to be able to go somewhere and, and have all the information in my head. So, and what's you know, that resource? Um, it's askthedatingcoach.com. So, askthedatingcoach.com. Yep. Askthedatingcoach.com. Yeah. And we even, we actually, in Austin, we run a a free event every month where people can come down and actually get to ask the dating coach in person. Cool. Pretty cool. Guys, check it out. Adam Lyons here. Askthedatingcoach.com if you want to learn more. Adam, dude, thanks for being on here. Not many people know how to explain flirting. I think it's one of the hardest ones to explain and to give techniques on. And you are one of the very few, if not only people I'd really trust to talk about what that means because I know you have a wealth of knowledge. So Adam, thanks for being here and answering questions and taking your time and glad we could do it. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. Appreciate it.